Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome to episode 41 of The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. My name is Kyle West. You are hearing right. I am still here. I wasn't on last week's episode as I phased my way off the show, but I am here today for this week's episode. I'll be back in two weeks as well, Uh, but I'm joined by the man who isn't going anywhere, Mr. Christopher Hill. Hello, Christopher. How are we doing today, Kyle? Uh, I'm doing, doing okay. I actually had my COVID jab. A few hours ago. Nice. Yeah. So, um, in fact, about as we record this, I had it about four four hours and twenty two minutes ago. So yeah. um, I have my first one. I uh, don't know when my second jab will be, but uh, do you know my arm is a little bit sore now, man? I, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because you know I've heard some people say they never even really felt the injection at all, but uh, when when he put sorry if I trigger anyone who has a, a needle phobia <laughs> with this, but. Uh, when you put the needle in, I was I was a bit like, oh, okay, I felt that, you know, I, but that was fine. But then for some unknown reason, um, one of the muscles on my like on my towards my shoulder just decided to flex a little bit, oh. and I could, and then that was like, oh, okay, that hurts because I could feel it almost moving <laughs> along the needle. So, um, so I think that might be why I'm sore. Uh, but uh, we'll find out now if I have any um, of the side effects tomorrow morning. Katie actually yeah. had hers earlier this week and for the next 48 hours she was oh she, well she thinks she felt worse than when she actually had covid Oof. <laughs> did you ever have any symptoms after your jab really just just my sore just a sore arm and that was it for like maybe a day or two but no, hopefully uh hopefully same for me but i would it would be nice to be bed bound for a day or so just so i can milk it <laughs> and get a break from the kids uh, so chris what's been new with you um, other than assembling our new team and, and getting that worked out to, to where you guys had last week's episode, um, not a whole lot. Um, I, actually my, the gas station I work for, they, they've changed hands. So okay. I got, I've got orientation tomorrow as we're recording for, for the new, new place. Oh, fun. Yeah. Are you so. excited for this, uh, this changeover? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I kind of liked how how we did did our stuff, you know, before, but it's 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 changed and time marches on, right? Yeah, don't <laughs> hold on to all those old ways of doing things. Just accept that there is a new way now, and mm-hmm. uh, and you'll find the transition much easier. Um, so yeah, you mentioned the the new team for this show, who uh, you were all on last week's last week's show, and um, you're getting the band back together for next week's episode as well uh, yeah. before I make my final appearance uh, on the uh, the following week. So next week is a little bit of a preview. What will you and the new team be talking about? Um basically uh Perry actually came up with with this idea kind of you know comparing all of the the series premieres for for each of the Star Trek series. Is that including so, all the um, the new ones as well? I think so. I'll have to double check with him, but 
Big show. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not going to be the one editing that one. <laughs> I, I'm not either because Perry's going to do it. <laughs> oh, well, well. It, hey, if he, picked, if he picked the topic as well, then that, that's on him. <laughs> he did that to himself. Um, okay, well, I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, hearing that. I thought, uh, as we record this, actually, the episode that you guys already did uh, hasn't actually dropped for uh, the whole world yeah. it's uh, just for our patreon so i've had an opportunity to listen to just a um a small section of it uh, thus far uh, just because i wanted to check what the what the sound problems had been <laughs> with the recording <laughs> and uh, so i listened to about the first five minutes and i loved the energy so mm-hmm. uh, and the fresh voices it's made me i came out feeling very positive um just from those few minutes about uh, what this show will be like with uh, you and your uh, your new crew so listeners if you haven't already listened to uh, last week's show please uh, give it a go and uh, i think you'll feel as positive as i do as a listener uh, for what chris will be doing with his new guys moving forward uh, but for now i'm still here i uh, refuse to let go just yet <laughs> and uh, we uh, are going to be talking about something completely different actually uh, this week mm-hmm. a bit of a um, a change for us i think we've mentioned previously we were going to do this but we're going to be talking about Pacific 201, which is a, a fan film uh, that came out, um, I think, at the tail end of last year, yeah. actually, uh, 2020. And the reason we're covering it is partly so that we don't just run through all the Enterprise episodes too quickly, <laughs> but also <laughs> uh, this does take place about four, five decades after uh, the end of Enterprise. So the Romulan War has already happened. And so this is still kind of connected to where Enterprise was going. They're in uniforms that are um, inspired by Enterprise still. So it felt like this was part of the Enterprise timeline, I think. Mm-hmm. So this is why I, su- I suggested we do it. And also, I just saw some amazing like uh, CGI artwork for the ships. <laughs> I was like, right, yeah. I need to watch that. Um, so we're going to get onto that. Uh, but before that, I would just like to really, really beheck of you all. Uh, leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or any other podcast review platform. And please just hit that high rating button. So a five stars would be great on Apple Podcasts. And please do not hit that one star button. Don't do it to us. Um, <laughs> and make sure you subscribe. So uh, we do get a lot of new listeners every single week. Uh, our download numbers show this. Uh, so if you're checking us out, please just hit the subscribe button on your app and you'll uh, be notified every single time we have a new episode come out which is every wednesday guys we are dropping shows every week and there has yet to be a a gap uh, there would have been if i had my way last week <laughs> but chris was there with it with his new team ready and uh so they've gone for 40 41 straight weeks right now so yeah. um yeah please subscribe and you'll know when new ones come out also don't forget to support the Patreon, um, but only if you want to. So if you enjoy this show and you'd like to get just a little bit more out of um, out of it as a, as a listener, you can go to patreon.com forward slash nx01podcast where you can choose from a multitude of packages, the most popular one uh, being our early access package where you get uh, episodes a week before uh, anyone else. And that's it for the spiel, I think. Yeah. I think so. So I think we should get down to the real, the real fun. 
Real Business is the fan film Pacific 201. We're going to be talking about both parts. It came out as um, in two parts because of, I guess, because of CBS's new yeah, rules. because um, of their restriction limits and stuff. Yeah, yeah uh, which I could be wrong. I'm, I, I'm just going to say what I remember off the top of my head from when all this came out. But I believe um, CBS have now got a limit on where you can only release, is it up to about 45 minutes of a fan film? It can only be about 45 minutes long, but it has to be released in like, uh, up to fifteen minute segments as well. So uh, it'd be something like it'd that. be twenty because that because that last the second part. Oh like yeah, 20, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So there's very strict rules in place now for um, uh, for fan films, but uh, it seems to be working. It means the quality that's coming out is, is quite good as well. So I'm not a I'm not a fan film viewer, Chris, and I'm going to ask you in a moment if you are, but I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guess. I'm gonna think you've watched some fan films because you're a big TOS fan. Mm-hmm. The fan films, especially from from the TOS uh, era of continuations and things, um, have are probably the most common. I think uh, in in that genre. So uh, I think like my father has always been telling me to watch Star Trek Continues and and things like that. So yeah. uh, have you been watching Star Trek fan films over the years at all? But the really about the only one that I that I have is uh, Star Trek Continues, but I also uh, watched Of Gods yeah, and Men yeah. um, about a decade ago. Wow, is it that long ago now? Yeah, <laughs> crikey! I never watched it, but I remember all the um, uh, all the online chatter ahead of its launch. Yeah, so you just made me feel really old <laughs> as you said that. <laughs> I guess I'm I'm just as old as you are. So yeah, I know, man, but. Um, <laughs> I'm hobbling around with a bad back. I have either torn cartilage or uh, or strained a ligament in my knee. I just take me out to the shed or behind the shed and shoot me, <laughs> put me down. Um, I, I certainly do not feel 35 years old. I, I double it and maybe uh, well, well get... you're spry enough to, to to start popping up other podcasts. So true, true. I uh, I do have other ones. <laughs> Launching. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on my previous appearance, but by the way, if you are an Arrowverse fan, I do have an Arrowverse podcast starting on uh, Holosuit Media in uh, several months' time. So please check it out. There is a teaser available on the website right now, Um I feel like that was a dig at me then, Chris. That felt that felt like you were <laughs> you were coming after me. I'm no, still no, I'm saying I'm saying you're still. I'm I'm saying you're still spry. You're, you're not as old as you as you're you're trying to put off. So. True, true. I guess not. Um, all right. So on my notes, I wrote that Kyle was going to read out a plot description, one which I would write myself. Uh, I didn't do it. I didn't write it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> because uh, I was worried about confusing myself because this was actually a very straightforward uh, film. But I did somehow manage to confuse myself uh, with some of the things going on. Um, maybe it was to do with gaps in the plot, actually, which I was trying to fill in my head. But um, but I don't think it needed a big a big summary. So I'm I'm going to um, just go through it. You can fill in any gaps for me, Chris. Basically, the uh, the film is told in flashback uh, form. So uh, we we get the idea that something um, bad has happened. Our uh, one of our main characters, and uh, I am trying to remember the names. I believe it was Commander uh, Vandra. I don't know how you pronounce the. I think the that name sounds about right. Yeah, so um, is called in 
by Starfleet Intelligence to explain uh, this mission that went really bad. And now the, the ship they have is the uh, the USS Pacific, uh, registry being 201, hence the, uh, the number. And they were actually, um, when we get told the story, they were a planet that shouldn't have really been there. It had all this crazy gravitational things going on and, and stuff like that. Uh, the planet eventually goes kaboom and the it causes damage to the Pacific and kind of leaves them stranded. Um, they're a bit screwed, basically. They put out a distress signal and the Romulans answer it. Now, bear in mind, this is about 40 years after uh, the end of the Earth-Romulan War. At this point, Starfleet still do not know uh, that Romulans are the distant cousins of the Vulcans. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, with, uh, well, when it's not public anyway. I'm always going to assume that people in Starfleet knew, but that it was a uh, top secret. Section 31 deal, maybe. Uh, We discover that actually the captain and just a few others were fully aware that this Romulan ship was following them and that uh, they, uh, this was like a really super duper new Romulan ship thing as well, I think, to get, so it worked for them. They wanted to get a close look at it. Uh, this leads to a slight mutiny on the ship, uh, resulting in the destruction of of the Romulan ship uh, when they were trying to help, and uh, the death of several crew members, including the captain, uh, just when all seems lost, and uh, when our commander is going to have to make a, ba- a tough decision about who to send off in the life pods, uh, skate pods even, and who to keep on the, the ship, uh, suddenly another Starfleet ship comes, saves the day. And then uh, that's how our commander was able to survive to tell this story to Starfleet Intelligence with a typical Mm -hmm. guy who's just been a dick um, trying to get information out of her. And uh, she seems disillusioned after all this, after recounting the tale. She seems really disillusioned with her her place in Starfleet. Um, But uh, after then going out for lunch or coffee or whatever with uh, one of her colleagues who'd been on the ship with her, they discover that actually someone must have been on that planet uh, previously and gone out into the uh, the wild, into the stars, because they f- she found um, evidence of language and a message and such um, on the planet before it had gone kaboom. And so we end then with the, um, I guess, the particularly the modern Star Trek films of the ship warping away um, to, I guess, to explore the unknown and to carry on the mission. So kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah. Kind of not, kind of just sort of setting up hopeful future adventures for them. Uh, and that was it. And I didn't, I forgot to put a spoiler warning at the, the top end of this. So uh, apologies for that. Uh, you would have probably gathered straight away anyway on a full review episode that we're going to be talking about the whole plot. So, um, so that is the plot of Pacific 201. I think I covered everything there, yeah? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so my first question for you chris is uh, gonna be you know what were your first thoughts on this fan film coming from the fact that you'd watch star trek continues but that was about it i i really did enjoy it um i gotta say stylistically i kind of once i saw uh who who was the uh the, the, the writer and director i kind of was like oh that's what he's been talking about um which was uh ec henry he did a bunch of star trek videos especially right when uh, discovery first came out so Oh wow! So you were familiar with him then? Yeah. Oh wow! I did, I wasn't aware of that. That's great. Um, did you watch both parts in one go? Yes. 
Okay, so for anyone actually who hasn't watched this yet, uh, you can go on YouTube. I should have said that as well at the start. <laughs> uh, you can go on YouTube and uh, both parts are available to watch for free. Just type in Pacific 201. Just make sure you watch part one first. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so I also watched it in, in one go and I've gone back and revisited part one again as well uh, in the time since. Um, did it feel long enough for you or do you th- this is one of those big questions, isn't it? Is do the the CBS restrictions limit fan films now? I mean, do you did you ever feel that was the case in this, or um, uh, do you think it, it did everything it was trying to do? In in some regards, it, it did feel like it was trying to it was do, did everything it was trying to do. In others, it felt like it would have been much better served as you know, like a movie, like say like like earlier, you know, of, of Gods and Men, um, where they had you know. They 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 broken up broken it up into three parts when they distributed it, but it was still like one full movie. Um, but but yeah, I think the the, the CBS restrictions did kind of limit what they could do with it because I I think we would have learned a little bit more about you know them kind of going in like we would follow um, the the one uh, specialist that was uh, that met with met back up with with the commander there at the end. Like we would have followed her yeah, before yeah, they yeah. before they launched, and we would have kind of known what was going on. Because she kind of played a big role, mm-hmm. but uh, off camera almost. So she had quite a prominent uh, role. She knew about the Romulans tailing them and things like that, but um, we never saw a lot of of her stuff. I think uh, going on. So uh, yeah, maybe we would have seen that. Um, now th- there's one thing that we're going to talk about. Well, maybe we liked or didn't like, but for me, mate, there's one thing which is unquestionable, mm-hmm. and that was that the space scenes in this in this film were incredible. Yeah, uh, I thought genuinely. I mean, I was watching them on my 50 inch TV, okay, uh, and they held up to a lot of other Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and beat beat them in some some cases. I mean, just how good were the space visuals? Oh, they 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 were great. Um. Like I said, you know, with, with with the you know watching a couple of EC Henry's videos, you know, I kind I kind of know know that he's he's really good at, at at you know at least space designs and stuff there with within whatever you know ship making program that they've got. So so I knew I I knew that I knew the visuals at least were going to be be you know extremely well done. I thought that the um, the aesthetic they were going for and the style of cinematography for the uh, the ship shots and, mm-hmm. and uh, the, all the exterior shots uh, very much inspired by jj abrams films yeah i thought um particularly the way the camera would uh sort of hang on the uh, on the uss pacific and just like the angles it, they would shoot out it just felt a bit like uh, like jj's films and uh, especially the the first time we see the pacific mm-hmm in space, and there's that amazing um, fanfare, which, uh, by the way, the music was fantastic yeah. as well in this. The main the main theme was uh, a true Star Trek theme, I think. Um, but yeah, just way about how they introduced the Pacific and the shot, it just it screamed uh, Kelvinverse films to me. And, <laughs> um, and and the quality was, was incredibly good. Uh, for me, it was a wake-up call, actually, about what fan films could be doing. Um, I mean, God, man, there's, there's, st- there's stuff in this film which is better than what i've been seeing on tng and yeah. and voyager and i don't get me wrong it doesn't compare to discovery now with it's probably like 
I don't know, $10 million budget per episode. But, it's blockbuster um, budget but, <laughs> every week. Yeah, but but all of it just looked incredible. Um, and and talking about the ship, you know, you, you're much more of a stickler for this than, than I am, I think, uh, for that whole TOS era and then into Ent- Enterprise. Uh, but did the ship design feel appropriate for the, uh, the era? Yeah, to me... For you? To me, it seemed it kind of served as a bridge from from the NX01 to the Kelvin that we see there at the beginning of the 09 film. Yeah, I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about that actually of the connection with the the Kelvin film and the visuals, uh, the visuals of that ship. Uh, but now you've mentioned that, yeah, you're spot on. Um, and yeah, it does it does fit with that, doesn't it? I also kind of thought it fitted a little bit with. Uh, TOS's style anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the deflected dish in TOS. Uh, and I sort of compare that with on the Pacific and you can see all those like satellites and stuff on the top of it. Yeah. Um, like I can kind of see how that would evolve maybe into the uh, the Const- Constitution class uh, ship later. I thought I thought it was a very inventive design and it, it kept things basic still. It, it, it didn't go to streamlined ships yet. Uh, you know, like we see... 200 years later in the timeline so um yeah i thought i thought it was very appropriate but sort of connected with that though and with my next point which is going to be about the green screen because a lot of the interior uh ship stuff was um was green screen there was definitely some um sets there as well though uh but with you know the the gaps filled in really with the green screen i mean for me i mean look i couldn't I couldn't make a film to the quality of this myself, but the green screen was very noticeable. And I don't, in a lot of instances, not, not all, but in a lot. And I don't know if that's because I was watching on such a big TV. Uh, maybe that made it stand out more for me, but I mean, was the green screen noticeable to you or did you find yourself too engaged in the, in the plot? I, I think because, because I, you know, seen, you know, Star Trek continues and, and of gods and men. And then um, there, there's actually another one that's set, closer to to enterprise i f- uh, forget what it's what's called off the top of my head at the moment but like i kind of I, I was kind of expecting you know green screen usage so it just kind of it just kind of went into my little blind spot if so i didn't really notice it a whole lot especially like you don't really notice it e- either if you're just watching it on your phone as well so yeah that's what i was thinking was that i was thinking man if i watch this on my on a small screen of my iphone i probably wouldn't even know uh, notice the yeah, I can say uh, probably. I think probably probably even you know like a tablet or or a computer size screen would 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 still yeah. There's still a few bits out. really the you know like when they're in the shuttle pod escaping the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those bits were very noticeably green screen to me, uh, but I don't mind that. You know, it's it's a fan film. And yeah, I think all the actors were volunteers, which I guess means they, they must not have taken any pay at all. And you know, and the production design is is bloody incredible mm-hmm. on this film, but. Um, I think there was one shot though, and I think there's only one in the entire film. And it might be when when our commander gets into the shuttle board after he's pulled back in uh, as they're trying to escape the planet. I think you see as she's getting like uh, getting into the the shuttle board and she's laying there and sort of straightening herself up, saved now. You know, uh, I think she loses part of her head or arm briefly with the green screen. So that would have been where the um, uh, where the uh, cutoff would have been on yeah. the green screen. Now, if there's one thing you are uh, that you care about a lot, Chris, <laughs> it's uniforms. Mm-hmm. 
We actually did a uh, an episode right at the right in the middle, I think, of where we are now. It was like episode twenty, I think, right uh, there, of the yeah. show. Um, yeah, which was uh, the uniforms of Enterprise, and you shocked me with uh, how much information you had about about them. So let's talk about the uniforms in this fan film. They were inspired by uh, Enterprise, mm-hmm. but I mean. Did you like them? Did they seem logical? And another question for you as well, before I let you go loose and run with it. Did it feel very naval to you? Like naval uh, uniforms, like the, the, the jumpers they were wearing and such? Uh, to answer the second question first, yeah, they de- definitely felt felt very uh, U.S. Navy and probably British Navy too. Just kind of yeah, yeah. kind of what I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. At least, you know, from back back in the 40s. Um <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, de- the the uniforms definitely seem like a, a natural tra- or continuation, you know, from from Enterprise to what we see on on the Kelvin, and then you know forward into 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 the uh, original series and Discovery. Yeah, I thought the I thought maybe the costume design was quite interesting. It definitely was invoking that sort of naval time design, uh, which I think actually went into the bled through into the set design as yeah. well a little bit it very much felt uh, like how enterprise was trying to uh, call upon that submarine style um, claustrophobia within the uh, the ship i felt this was going even a step further and definitely seemed to be inspired by uh, by the naval side of things but yeah the uniforms really did give me that vibe and i did like the i don't think necessarily they may have completely fit timeline-wise for me, but I actually respect the attempt to have the design. Uh, you know, they kept the corners, the the, uh, the rank colors, department colors. Sorry, on the uh, on the shoulders and and things like that. That was a really nice touch. And um, but I think if you were to think of like the not so much the not the discovery uniforms, but if you start thinking about the uniforms in the cage and things, like the jumpers, then I guess actually you could see how these uniforms would be able to become uh, the uniforms we saw yeah. uh, in the original uh, Trek as well. So um, I thought th- I thought it was a uh, good uniform design. I do feel like one uh, one lady in the cast was actually wearing a proper Enterprise jumpsuit, though. Uh, <laughs> it, it looked it looked like it was one of the uh, one of the cosplay ones. And um, uh, see if you can keep an eye out for it if you're watching it, guys. Um, and and send send us a, send us a screenshot picture too. Yeah, I'll have to uh, I'll have to see if I can grab it as well and pop it up um, for you. It looked cause I remember seeing it thinking the color was different to everyone else's, and then uh, there was a close up, and I was like, oh, that looks like a, a proper uniform there. So uh, we'll have to see. Uh, I noticed it in part one. Um, okay, so let's talk about the story then, because mm-hmm. we've talked about all the visuals and the stuff that we love, but you know, it it all comes down to the the meat though, which is is the story. Um, did you know anything about this film going into it? Uh, the only, the only thing that I knew going into it really, um, that I had forgotten until I saw his name pop up was that, uh, EC Henry was working on it. So. (laughs) So nothing then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, obviously I said earlier how the film is told through a series of flashbacks, uh, Mm -hmm. as our, um, as our lead character is recounting, um, the adventure that she was a part of. And uh, are you a fan of those kind of stories? I know some people hate them. 
I personally love flashback stories. So what about you? Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that aspect. It, to me, it kind of felt like, uh, you know, Trials and Tribulations where, you know, the, the, the Temple agents were there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how they, how we got the, the story of, of Trials and Tribulations, so. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, actually. As you were saying that, I was thinking of the trouble with Tribbles. And I was like, how is he linking this? <laughs> and then I realized you said Trials and Tribulations. Uh, no, yeah, that's a very good um, comparison, actually. Um, there were some big sci-fi ideas in this mm-hmm. story, particularly in part one, uh, with this planet that shouldn't really have been there. Did it all work for you? The uh, the big sci-fi ideas, the science, did you buy into it during the story? Yeah, because, well, really, yeah, it came down to, to to you know, how how the explanations were, were written and, and not only written, but also delivered, you know, by by some of these actors here that, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I can kind of buy into it because, you know, we are in, in Star Trek and shit like this happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not a, a stickler for the science in Star Trek at all. I think I've said that before, uh, or if not on this podcast, on others. And it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. As long as, like, a movie or an episode buys into its own science, mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm cool. I, I'll just go with it. I'll assume that what they're saying, it's either could be real anyway, or it's at least real within in universe. Yeah. You know, so uh, if I start picking holes in it and such uh, in within the episode, I start thinking, well, they've done a really bad job because if I can take this fantasy idea, but then they and pick the holes where they've not been able to follow it through, then I think it's bad writing. Um, when I first watched this, I really did buy into the coolness of that planet and, and how odd it was and but when I rewatched part one and for anyone listening you know I rewatched part one right before we went on to record this uh, it started to seem a little bit crazy to me and a bit absurd <laughs> some of the uh, some of the science I wasn't sure if it was uh, based in any kind of ac- like scientific accuracy or not I mean uh, um, the stuff with the planet for the most part and the Realizing they actually seemed like they were moving backwards, but at warp slowly, but uh, being pulled towards something almost at like a warp speed, so they had to counter it by um, just engaging the uh, the warp engines. So I guess it's cancelling itself out, so the ship would stay in the same uh, the same place. I mean, a lot of that stuff, I was kind of like, oh, is this does this work? You know. I can't remember. I think it was uh, there was an episode of the animated series. I think where they had to where where they were doing that. So I can't remember which one off the top of my head. But it's always TAS <laughs> come in and uh, and wipe out my point and say no, no, we have done that. Um, but I kind of like you said, it's Star Trek. Shit like this happens, and I bought into it. It was nothing that made me overthink it. Yeah, uh, and such. Um, and I didn't even first time round it never even crossed my mind that some of it just seemed a little bit crazy. Um, now, the uh, there was one thing about this film which really uh, sort of made me angry again, uh, got my blood boiling. And that was the appearance of the Romulans. And not because I hate Romulans and I don't want to see them in my Star Trek, but it was actually because it just reminded me that we didn't get to see the Earth-Romulan War uh, on yeah. Star Trek Enterprise or any other, uh, well, currently anyway, any other um, Trek content. And so when the Romulans show up in this, 
and you hear them re- referencing the Earth Romulan War, I'd get so angry about the cancellation of the show again. I mean, mm-hmm. um, did you feel the same way? Because I know I know you feel very similar to me about you know the cancellation yeah. of the show. Yeah. So when that Romulan ship shows up, are you thinking, God damn it? <laughs> Yeah, I really, yeah, it really made me wish that we got to got to see it on screen. But you know, we do we do have a couple of couple of books that deal with that coming up. You know, in in, in the True. next couple months. Yeah, coming up quite which, quick now, actually. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, can we pencil you in for 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 all those two still? Yeah, yeah. I'm still. Uh, I feel like I'm invested now in the the book <laughs> reviews we do. So you can definitely still chuck me down for them. Uh, just space them out a little bit for me because I leave it to the last minute to read these books. And uh, <laughs> I know they start, they're going to start getting bigger. Because <laughs> I've read, I've actually read yeah. some of the next ones already and uh, they're definitely longer than the ones we've done so far. So I think leaving it to the last minute won't work for me. Uh, but yeah, pencil me in. Uh, so All right. a, big ter- a big turning point in this episode, this, this film, uh, comes when there's a mutiny on the ship because some of the crew weren't happy to know that the captain was aware of the Romulan ship being there and they also just didn't want help from Romulans you know because they'd been at war now I do understand that logic we've seen that in Trek previously uh, numerous times but I mean hell you know Star Trek 6 is almost based around that idea as well uh, at one point you know they just Starfleet crew just don't want to be dealing with the Klingon crew you know and um, yeah and vice versa so we saw that here but I mean, I've written in the notes, you know, what the fuck <laughs> about this mutiny. <laughs> so the first thing I'm going to say to you is, did this make any sense to you that this Starfleet crew... Okay, um, I should point out to everyone saying the ship's damaged at this point. So they need help. Mm-hmm. They need the Romulans to help. The ship ain't going nowhere otherwise. I mean, this the, the fact that it was it three crewmen, at least... We saw three talking about it. There's probably more uh, that they... Um, talked with off screen but i mean did this make any sense to you that they would just suddenly turn <sighs> and, and on them and, and destroy the one you know the one ship that could help them well maybe maybe they were were all or at least one of they were all in some way related to to the uh the styleses that were you know there in, <laughs> in balance of terror <laughs> yeah yeah big family and and <laughs> Yeah, and 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 totally full, still full of hate, you know, because from from forty years ago. Yeah, I just it for me it was like, oh, hang on, a Starfleet crew surely aren't going to turn that quickly. Um, you, maybe you could put it down to time frame. You know, Starfleet is still relatively new at this point mm-hmm. in time, so maybe there are people on these ships that. Um, that well, I know that I know none of these would have really served in the Romulan War gone by the dates but you know they would have probably rushed a lot of ships out uh, earth or starfleet so there probably are crews who just aren't as qualified and uh, and such as like the nx01 crew were uh, but this just seemed nuts that these people were going to suddenly just go against the captain's wishes and you know destroy this romulan ship which could have started another war as well yeah. um that part of the plot uh to me i was I don't, wouldn't even say I got taken out of the story, actually, with it. I was just more a case of, like, why the fuck are these guys doing this? You know, I was like, don't make any yeah. sense. Why would they do that? They haven't thought about this. Uh, but I was I was all in for it, though. Like, I, I felt the drama of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, whose side were you on? Did you agree um, with that? 
their perspective, or uh, were you with the captain, who was kind of like? I, I was I was more I was more with the captain both times. So yeah. both times I watched. Yeah, uh, the captain obviously dies when he goes down to try and stop their evil plan with the tractor beam. Uh, he gets uh, I think he's blown up, doesn't he? With with the rest of them, yeah. Uh, the... Which you know, Starfleet intelligence officer is kind of like you know, why did the captain go down on his own? I started thinking there was something dodgy about this captain. Actually, <laughs> I don't know something shifty <laughs> about how he looked. But uh, yeah, I mean that mutiny thing—it felt odd to me that people would have turned so quickly. I guess that's my only issue with it. So here's the question: Then, when the captain did go down to try and deal with the mutiny, uh, did he cock up by doing that um, on his own, or was it just good intentions? Was he trying to? Uh, not to use up too much manpower, or was he trying to hide something? What do you think? I, I do believe he did have good intentions. I think he was gonna. He was what he was trying to do was go down there and be like, "Hey, look, this is actually coming directly from Starfleet intelligence. I know these Romulan people. These Romulans are here, and for whatever reason, you've got family family beef with them. But let's just get through this. And as soon as they saw, I think as soon as they saw him come come to that particular room that's when they went ahead and just executed their plan and didn't think about it yeah might as well just so. do it at that point i guess isn't it you, mm-hmm. uh, you're up shit creek <laughs> um following that death then uh, obviously more people died as a result of uh, of their uh, destruction of the romulan ship i mean do you think more deaths were going to follow particularly when our you know our lead character was having to pick who could leave in the escape pods and who had to stay behind didn't come to that but you know, was it a cop out to have the Starfleet vessel show up at the right moment to save them, or did you think did you think we were going to see more deaths, more tragedy? Um, I don't think it was really a cop out, but I knew I knew it was probably going to just knowing how how Star Trek episodes work and everything, and especially with them telegraphing the the, the ship. You know, there at the beginning of part two, yeah, search, and I knew that they were going to find them at the right point. So I think they did very good with that though, because uh, yeah, they did kind of telegraph it. But we see so little of that other ship that I kind of forgot that they were coming. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it was kind of in the back of my head. I think I was, might have been semi-aware of it. But I was very much invested in the decision-making that was having to take place on the Pacific. So I kind of forgot. And then when they show up, I'm like, oh, yeah. So I think maybe that, that's, I think that's good writing, isn't it? That's, that's good writing. Too. Yeah. You've got to show the ship. You can't... It would be a true cop-out if they hadn't been introduced and just showed up to, at the end. Yeah, um, they just popped up, yeah. But it just didn't overdo them at all and made the tension and such on the Pacific so good that you forgot all about that. I should ask, really, I mean, did this feel like a complete story for you then? Was it worth your time? Um, It was worth 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 the time watching. With, with the caveats of, you know, the CVS restrictions, it's as complete of a story as they could get out. Yeah. So... It it does feel like there's some other things that you know they they were wanting to put in that, that could have helped explain a couple things here and there, but it does end on a cliffhanger. Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of what you're alluding to there uh, with this alien race that had inhabited the planet previously. Uh, so I, I mean, I got the indication that it was trying to set up a potential future follow up, uh, but it didn't need to have one. The story as a whole was for Pacific Two Hundred One was finished. Um, it's not like they didn't leave it on a cliffhanger related to the plot of this one. Um, do you want to see that story with that with that alien race? You know, do we think it's 
someone from Trek that we know of or something new? Is is it a story you want to see in another film? Yeah, I, I would like to to see it continued, but you know, there again with with CBS and their restrictions due due to a certain film that I will not say its name. <laughs> yeah, that you know, we probably won't get it, and but that but that's okay. This is this is good enough, you know, to where to where we can just kind of drop into a writer's room or something and come up with other adventures for them. Um, so let's talk about the um, the actors then and, and the characters. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to dwell on this bit too long because. You know, these guys were volunteers. Uh, they were doing this for yeah. free, and there, there was some actually some good moments um, with the cast in there. But um, you know, what do we think of our our lead character? Um, she uh, second in command on the ship. For me, seemed even from before this event happened, the flashbacks showed me an officer who really seemed demoralized. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, did you get that same vibe yourself? Yeah, kind of. To me, it kind of reminded, kind of you know, going back to the to the Kelvin for Kelvin films and stuff, kind of reminded me a bit of uh, Kirk at the beginning of Beyond. Oh, I was about to say that. I was about <laughs> to say that before I went to. Yeah, it's very much like that. Um, I thought maybe I was being a bit OTT when I when it popped into my head, which is what stopped me saying it. But if you're saying it as well, then obviously uh, it, it must be true yeah she gave off that vibe that she'd been on a you know been in space deep space for years and um was yeah disillusioned with it all and such but uh, i don't think that's the case with this ship i think it was uh, pretty new out there um but yeah i would have liked to have seen her in the flashbacks seem a bit i don't know cheerier and, and such before the drama kicks off so that uh we then would see her a changed woman at the end um after it's all done because i don't i yeah. don't know if we saw that change because i thought she seemed to be that way throughout really so i i didn't really chart progression for her um i did think she had good chemistry though with the, uh, the starfleet intelligence guy who was quizzing her mm-hmm. uh, why was he a knob though is that just a rule in star trek <laughs> that the the uh the I... interrogator in starfleet has to be a dick yeah, I, I guess so. That's 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 one of those one one of those unwritten rules that they made in production. You know, back back in the TNG days, and they've just kind of <laughs> stuck with it. I think that guy was maybe my favorite actor in the whole cast. You know, uh, I thought I, I yeah his name to hand. Sorry, um, but uh, yeah, I just thought he was very natural with it. Um, uh, he made me he made me hate him. And actually, I, I was thinking, man, I've met people like this guy. <laughs> you know, it's just such a <laughs> jobs worth and you just know that whatever happened he ain't going to be happy you know um uh, and then obviously the supporting cast as well um any standout characters for you amongst the uh the, the lesser characters um definitely the uh the one the 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 scientist that we had with the glasses she yep, she yep. did a great job uh really enjoyed her performance um the mutineers, I mean, they they, they were one dimensional because they were written that way. I'm pretty sure. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, but um, they they did do the best with what they had. <laughs> yeah, one of them, I uh, believe, crewman Lawrence was his name. I mean, the the, the actor playing him was, uh, I thought, was very very good. Um, 
and to me mm-hmm. seem to have had training at least. So if I mean, if if, uh, if they were also a a volunteer on this, I mean, definitely must have had some training. Otherwise, should probably look into to get in some and go in somewhere with it because I thought they were very very yeah uh, impressive, and it was probably the juiciest of all the roles as well. Uh, in the in the short, I think, because Lawrence is part of the mutiny, but then when realizes what it is they're proposing, is the one who actually um, blows the whistle uh, on on it all to the captain, which technically actually causes the death of the captain. So uh, he should yeah. have that. He should have that on his conscience. But <laughs> uh, but I thought, yeah, I I, I agree. With I thought supporting cast was good, and we saw a few characters appear with one line here or there, and I thought I thought they were very well delivered as well. I mean. So one thing people always say lacks in Star Trek fan films is the actual acting, because you know you can't you can't get proper um, actors who will demand high fees and such for this. Uh, yeah. So it's often the one thing that gets neglected, and 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 maybe it's the what it's the one thing that shouldn't. I don't know. I don't know if what's more important, <laughs> whether the visuals or the acting, and um, to make make you buy into it. But um, I thought they were, I thought they were all strong enough here and. And for me, it did feel like a fully functioning bridge crew, but only when they started yeah. coming together. Uh, I thought there was a bit too much conflict with Lawrence and such at first, but uh, did it feel like this was a, a Starfleet ship to you and these people work with each other every day? Yeah, yeah, it, se- it seemed that way. Um, and it kind of kind of seemed like they were like, um, hey, why why is this, you know, going the way that it is right now? And Because and, it kind of seemed like the captain, you know, would be kind of wanting to be like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. This is what we know. And then they would kind of go from there. And so it kind of seems like they were a little bit taken aback that that they found out, you know, about the Romulans and all this, you know, after the Romulans showed up. Can you accept this story as part of your Star Trek canon? Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, I could as well. I, mean, I don't know where it's going to go with the, uh, the alien stuff, but the encounter with the Romulans and things, I could, I could completely accept that as a a story that happened there was nothing in this film that was major that was going that was shaking the trek um continuity up and stuff you know so in my head i could just accept that this happened and it can be part of my head canon now um i mean i I don't like the mutiny bit and how easily it happened but you know these guys are having to make a a a shorter movie than they probably would have wanted to anyway so i don't hold that against them but I think it can be part of my uh, my track canon. If we we're gonna take books and such, then why not? Why not accept yeah. these these fan films? Um, any moments that stood out for you as particularly enjoyable? I I, I really enjoyed how how that little scout ship kind of turned around to to go back to the Pacific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was there any like uh, character moments? Um. I say yeah. Well, they're 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 towards the end. Uh, you know when when our when our scientist is talking about you know the discovery that she's made, you know with with our with the commander and just sort of the way that you know she's all excited about about it and like hey let's let's steal a ship if we have to and figure this out. Yeah, I my favorite bits. I had actually quite a few. Uh, one actor's moment was. When the uh, captain calls for red alert, uh, mm-hmm. when the um, planet is going kaboom, and I got the I got like Will Riker vibes, you know, like it, it's, yeah, it suddenly it all kicked off, you know, the, uh, I think the klaxon and things like that, and I was just like, was like, oh god, that that actor nailed that line, 
Um, if <laughs> I, I'm gonna just in my head assume that he's a track fan who's just always wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that that was great. Uh, I really ad- appreciated how ambitious they were with some of the early visuals. Um, and in particular, I'm talking about when when the shuttle pod is trying to escape the planet, and our mm-hmm. um, lead character ends up hanging onto the outside of the shuttle pod as it's taken off because she didn't get in in on time. Um, I thought that was actually really good visuals, and I was yeah. I remember watching it the first time and thinking, man, that is ambitious because if this scene looks shit, then people may turn this off. But I thought it looked really, it was very serviceable for. For, for what this film is and that was a really yeah i really enjoyed that moment it's quite exciting um and i just think the just oh god every time we saw the outside of, of the pacific anything going on in space for me was just a favorite part of this don't be wrong the story was fun uh you know we had good moments on the ship but the it was the uh, exterior shots in space that stole this film like 100 percent for me anyway. mm-hmm. um, yeah de- definitely yeah uh, so that that specific 201 really um like i said uh, if we've already spoiled everything for you but if you want to go back and watch it i mean there's a lot in there we haven't actually discussed as well there's a lot of character yeah. work in the the second uh, part uh, which we haven't mentioned so go go check it out go to youtube and search for pacific 201 you'll find it there both parts only going to take up about 40 minutes of your day so um, definitely try it, and honestly, you'll be amazed at the um, at the visuals. I mean, it does open with a song being sung, which um, sometimes at the, makes at the memorial service. Yeah, yeah, I do sometimes feel uncomfortable watching people sing. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I think that's come from Katie, my my partner. She hates being uh, sung to, and the way this particular bit was shot, I just felt like you know I was right next to him as he's singing, but. Um, but no, stick with it, and it's it's a good little Star Trek story. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's that. That's our first discussion. I say ours. I'm, it'll be my only uh, fan film discussion uh, on on the Expanse. Um, I mean, would you recommend that to people? Yeah, definitely, definitely. If they've only got you know basically a, an hour's worth to to watch something, I I definitely have them watch that and see what they think and go from there. Well, I also think like you know we we talk about how the the books that we've been reading are other adventures uh, and, yeah. and are episodes that we haven't that we didn't see on screen. So we're you know okay we get to books now that I've read some of them, but the ones before now I haven't, and so they are new adventures for me with the crew. And I guess that that's very much what you know fan films are. Whether it's this one or any of the other ones, uh, they are just new Star Trek adventures. And if you can open your mind to content that hasn't just been put out by cbs or, or viacom cbs or whatever they go by now um then i think there's a lot of track out there that you can enjoy um yes it's not gonna look like a movie but you know trek when it's been its best has been low budget <laughs> one might argue you know mm-hmm. uh, so um you know i think ratha khan was done on a shoestring budget compared to the motion yeah. picture wasn't it uh so and which one would yeah. you say is a better film? We, we're always going to say Twark, I think. So, um, <laughs> well, typically anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's give it a go, guys. Uh, if you listen to this, please uh, go try out Pacific Two Hundred One. Um, now, as Chris said, next week on this show, he and the new crew 
of The Expanse. We'll be talking about the premieres of all the Star Trek shows. I guess maybe they're going to pick a winner. Uh, you need to just let them know, Chris, that it has to be Broken Bow, if that's the case. They, they cannot okay. pick any other premiere as the best Star Trek one, not on this show. I'll, if, if need be, I will, I will come in and kick some ass uh, if uh, they say anything different. Uh, uh, even though Picard's premiere, by the way, is, is fucking incredible remembrance. Um, mm-hmm. The following week, then, uh, I will be back for my final episode as a, uh, as a regular host where we will be doing the expanse uh, the season two finale uh, we will be uh, also discussing the book the novelization of that episode uh, as well so the novelization which i've realized i've started reading it now um covers the season three premiere as well but we'll be talking about the, the little extra bits and character moments it adds to the expanse story of the uh, finale and uh, beyond that, then it's the season three mission, Chris, uh, for you. Yeah, you ready, are you, you ready to head out into the Delphic expanse? Oh, ready or not, we gotta go. We gotta figure out, you know, where these Indy are and, and take care of them <laughs> and make sure Earth's safe. Yeah, that's it. Go protect Earth. Might have to steal uh, some some uh, some parts off of a ship just to do it, but we'll we'll get it done. <laughs> There's no moral compass when you're trying to save save your planet, man. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, I watched an NCIS tonight, which. Uh, where Scott Bakula really did channel Dark Archer uh, in one particular scene where he's facing down with a member of the uh, a cartel. Uh, okay, thank you very much for listening, uh, everyone. And I hope you've enjoyed this weird little episode by our standards, really, uh, looking at a Star Trek fan film. Um, it was loosely connected to Enterprise, so it still counts. Uh, yeah. I'll be back in two weeks. Chris will be back next week. And uh, until then, live long and prosper, my friends. And keep shirts on. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash nx01podcast to view our subscription tiers. Benefits of becoming a patron include earlier access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we will be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash nx01podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details for this podcast episode. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by myself, Chris Hill, and Kyle West, and is a part of the Suite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NX01Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at the Chris Hill and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join the Suite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type the Nexus into the Facebook search bar and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep your shirts on.
This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Her First Trek, a Star Trek Preview Podcast. I mean, his family nominated him to go through this process, to die and go to the next life, because he was an inconvenience. Yeah, he, and he just had a bad leg, so he could still move around. Yeah. With a struggle, but he could I, move around. I imagine he, like, toilets by himself and feeds yeah. himself and... Appears to be able to dress himself. Like, we can talk to him. Yeah. He's got decent convo, you know? But it was just it was too, too much, much for his it wife. too much for his wife, who wanted a fully functional partner i guess get yourself an android love yeah loading holosuite preview program for the janeway a star trek voyager podcast and it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me in the sex cabin if the table was wonky because the amount of times that oh, Aaron tom's probably jumped on there it's yeah, gotta probably be damaged it. oh <laughs> you know that table's sticky oh suzanne <laughs> it's in the sex cabin <laughs> It's, it's a table sturdy. not just for pool balls. <laughs> it's a table not just for pool balls. No. <laughs> yeah, the the thing the scary thing is is you don't know for sure what that sticky is. Because mm. nobody's gonna test it. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.